everyone, welcome back to the Football Chat Podcast. Today it's episode 151 and we're turning our attention towards the Bundesliga and more specifically Bayer Leverkusen and their manager Xabi Alonso. Coming into the season, most people expected Bayern Munich would be taking another Bundesliga title. They do it every season and given the fact they won all of their first three, they looked like they were in a very good place to do so, didn't they? They did. I mean, we sat here and said, because obviously you know, Dortmund have been dropping points in front of centre, we sat and went, Season's over. Bundesliga's over. What's the point? They're going to win it again. Just cool season there. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the only other team that maintained a perfect record as well was Bayer Leverkusen winning all of their first three matches. And then that set up a very interesting tie the weekend just gone. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about Alonso. And we're going to talk about whether Bayer Leverkusen are serious contenders for the Bundesliga title this season. Shall we start with Alonso then? Yeah, He came in in, I think, match day nine of last season, around that sort of time, that October sort of time in the season. They were struggling up to that point, sat in 17th in the league. And the biggest problem for Bayer Leverkusen was they didn't really have a consistent shape. They were so open, so expansive and very easy to play through. What Alonso did, came in, changed up, 3-4-3, keep it compact. The gaps between the players were a lot smaller, made it much easier to pass the football, and that saw fantastic results. And we've seen that system continue into this season, then a 3-4-3, very, very solid at the back and deadly on the counter-attack. It's, I mean, we saw it at the weekend, we've seen it throughout yeah. the season so far. It's how they can really hurt teams. And looking at the game, I feel like Leverkusen could have got more out of it, to be honest. I think so. It's a really interesting thing because if you look at their goals, you look. There were two like really strong moments. The kind of like you know the free kick from Grimaldo is one of those where you think, well, I think if you looked at it, if you didn't watch the game, you looked yeah. at it, you'd look at it and go, well, Leverkusen scored a free kick and they got lucky and a pen but, as well yeah, after that. Free so kick and penalty, two set piece goals. I don't think that's a fair reflection on the game. I think they. Uh, this, this is what this is what Bayern do. It's even in the games yeah. where they shouldn't, they've got, they, they always get more than they should, and they stop Leverkusen taking all three points, which I think the argument is there to say that Xavi Alonso's side could have taken all three off Bayern. Yeah, I mean, Leverkusen started really slowly. They started in their usual high press system. What they quickly learned is you can't play that against Bayern Munich. They were getting frequently bypassed by Bayern. No real shock there. Came under a lot of pressure. Then Harry Kane goal comes in seven minutes. I mean, a decent goal, to be fair. It was. It was a good header. But, I mean, again, who's marking him at the back post? Yeah, it's it's school ground stuff. You should be marking Harry Kane. It's Harry Kane. Anyway, after that goal, Alonso decided to alter things. And I think this was a really interesting thing to see because a lot of young coaches coming through at the moment... They have this really good system, and and if that works, that's great. But they don't really have that adaptability, that tactical acumen to change things on the fly in high-pressure situations. But he did. He altered the pressing approach, encouraged them to stand off and not really engage as Bayern played forward, just sit deep, absorb the pressure. That really played to their strengths because it meant they could spring on the counter-attack a lot more effectively. Something more close to 4-4-2 shape actually out of possession, which... You know, if that works, why not do that for that game? So it was interesting to see how he was able to adapt his style like that. And that actually looked a lot better. They were able to win the ball back and spring forward on the counter, which we know they're so deadly due to the players they've got in those high areas. They've got really quick players who are great at breaking on the counter-attack. And, I mean, they they were excellent in that sort of situation. 
you've got to feel that transition excellent just once they got to the final third a couple wrong decisions a couple mistakes in front of goal it felt like they could have got a lot more there was definitely two or three more goals i think in it for leverkusen so the fact that they drew this game i think there'll be a little bit of frustration there i think so i, I think for Bayern, it was the the timing of the Gretzka goal it felt like obviously grammaro's free kick you know very late on the first half that leveled yeah. it up, and then from that into the second, you know, I, I think Leverkusen probably had the better of the chances. That Gretzka goal kind of changed the game, though, because you know that is a succession of missed opportunities for Leverkusen. Just for Bayern to do what Bayern do best, and you know take the lead, I, I think that changed the game. But obviously Leverkusen in the end did get something at least. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. That's what's given everyone hope that Bayern can be toppled because Leverkusen still got something from a game that they looked like they weren't going to get anything. I mean, if we saw how Bayern stru- really struggled to the end, to the title at the end of the last season, if they have that sort of stutter again, Leverkusen yeah. keep up this consistency. There's every chance that we see the title going to Leverkusen rather than Munich for the first time in a very, very long time. Just one more sort of note then before we, before we move on to other stuff. I mean, talking about the game, we're going to talk about the rest and other stuff. But I think one thing I've I've never really seen with Bayern before is them get completely opened up in the way that Leverkusen did. There was times where Bayern's defenders were sort of looking around at the sheer amount of players and just had no idea how to cover all the options. And I think that that was really, really overwhelming. I think Leverkusen were really, really great in that sort of area. Huge gaps in Bayern's back line and midfield. And I think that's something Thomas Tuchel will be keen to address because against a side who took their chances slightly better, I think they would get I think they'd get exposed. But yeah, I think that it was it's sensational to see how Leverkusen, I mean everyone bombed forwards. It's just this immense push forwards and suddenly create huge overloads and that really helped them cause a lot of problems on the counter. Yeah, I think you know Tuchel Tuchel's an interesting one because I st- I still don't think he's embedded at Bayern. And yeah. it's, it's games like the Leverkusen game for me that bring back hints of you know, his last few games at Chelsea, you've got, you know, really good, world-class defenders getting, you know, they look completely lost. And it's, I mean, obviously, obviously, Jamie Londo did a brilliant job and that didn't help either. But it, it, it's it's really strange. And I feel like the promise, promise for two, it's it's a problem, but it's also a good thing. I don't think we're seeing 100% of two, Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich. Now, yeah. that, that team at full force probably pisses the league because it's Thomas Tuchel. But right now, they look beatable. They don't look like they're just going to rock up every weekend, score six goals, go home. Harry Kane's going to break records and that'll be job done. Yeah, I mean, they've been slightly fortunate in the games they've had so far. They've not they've had quite an easy fixture, I would say. I mean, this was their first real challenge and they did falter. Yeah. potentially against Leipzig, against Union, against Dortmund in the coming weeks and months, there's a chance they slip up a few more times. There's a chance that actually we get a really good title fight. I mean, we'll look at those other clubs in a moment when we speak about the Bundesliga as a whole. I want to really focus in on Leverkusen at the moment, though. And, and specifically Alonso, how highly do you rate Xabi Alonso as a manager? I think I, I think he's looked really good. And the, the, inter- the thing that interests me is that Obviously, especially in England, but overall, if you look at the last few kind of the new the new era of ex players being managers, 
Mm-hmm. You look at them, it's been a bad run. It's your like to be a Lampard and your Gerrard to go. So, you know, I know yeah. you've got the Xavi, who's done really oh, well. Vincent Company. And, and yeah. I, think, I, I think it's... But he's definitely up there. Xavi Lando's yeah. definitely up there with that Xavi, with that company. That they've come in, and in their first job, they're taking they, you know, it to like a duck's water. It's noticeable that all the names we've mentioned played under Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Coincidence? That's, I think yeah, not. Going to Rodri, so, you know, march up and down the touchline. Well, I mean, I think okay, Gundogan. He's a big. Yeah. He loves football manager. Apparently, I think he'll make a great coach one You're day. Stoned. Potentially so. Potentially so. But yeah, I think Alonso has shown that he's got a real quality as a manager, and I think we're, as as we've mentioned there, working under Pep does seem to bring that out in a player and it makes sense because you have such an you have to have such an acute tactical understanding to play under Pep Guardiola because of the way he sets up his teams. You can't just rock up and expect to know exactly yeah. how to move, I mean, how to pass it, where your options are, that sort of stuff, especially as a central midfielder, you dictate everything. And for Pep, that that is everything. Dictating the tempo, dictating possession, then the match as a whole, that's everything for Pep Guardiola. So players like Xavi Alonso would have been key for a place like Xavi. Yeah. I think that's why they make such good coaches, because they are at the heart and soul of a Pep Guardiola system. And I mean that definitely yeah, it definitely helps. When you come into when you come into management, you and you can just take you know, it's it's very it's very nice to be able to take what you've learned, put your own bit of yeah. spice on it, and then see what happens. Especially when you're taking that little bit of what you learned from Pep Guardiola. It's yeah, it's very interesting to see. I'd also say though that the players that have been the most successful managers vary in terms of their career path, and it's really interesting because you've got like Xavi and company who played for a handful of clubs. I mean, Xavi only played for Barcelona until he moved to a bunch of Qatari retirement homes. Yeah, and company only played for one side before he got his move to Man City. Maybe two. I can't really mm. remember now. Off my head, but. Neither of them had really long career paths. Then you look at Alonso, who obviously played at Real Madrid and played at Manchester United. Not at Manchester yeah. United, sorry, at Bayern Munich, as we're talking about now. I'm getting, I'm already in the mood for Wednesday, the main United Bayern yeah. game. But you look at that and the amount of different co- coaches he played under. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti at both clubs, I believe. Uh, Jose Mourinho as well. Obviously, the aforementioned Pep Guardiola. I think he probably played under Jupp Heynicks at some point as well, if he was at Bayern, because they hire him every eight minutes. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not a bad list of coaches no, no. at all, is it? I mean, Vicente Del Bosque at the Spanish national side. So... I think obviously, you know, there's there's difference between coaches and then how you learn from them. But it shows that the best tacticians of the current era of managers, or, yeah. the, or the or the developing era of managers, I think is how we could refer to them, are from people like Pep. Yeah, because they're very definitely. good, very good coaches. You learn a lot from them. But Alonso, then, where do you where do you see him ending up? Where do you think he'll go? How long? Has he got a buy Leverkusen? Will they win anything? Well, yeah, well, that's Leverkusen's problem, isn't it? You do feel like this is one season because if you are any other football on the planet and you see a manager beat Bayern Munich to the Bundesliga title, you're like, get get me him, get me him now. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see because the managerial market really depends where gaps are going to open up, who's going to be available when, what teams are going to be a manager when. But if it falls right for Alonso, I think either way, he'll end up at a very, very top club, you know, Premier League side. I was going to say, do you think there's a potential return to Liverpool on the cards? Yeah, definitely. Faith in Klopp is faltering now. 
Is there a potential for him to, to come back? I think, I think there's plenty of options for him. You've got Klopp, who has been at Liverpool for a long time. Could he leave him? Pep, you know, he's been, you know, could he leave at some point? We we know Ten Hag's under pressure. You know, I'm not saying he's going to leave now, but yeah. in the in the future, I th- I th- and then yeah, he might around Madrid. My one thing though with Xabi Alonso would be don't rush that decision. No. Take no. all the time you want at Leverkusen because they're the type of club where you can develop them quite far. They've got a great ability to bring in young talent and to really understand what the coach wants and go and find that in the market. We've seen the likes of Moussa Diaby, Kai Havertz come through in recent seasons, Leon yeah. Bailey. If you can continue that sort of talent pool but hold on to a couple as well as you drive up the Bundesliga, as you try start to fight for titles, he can really build a dynasty by Leverkusen. There's no reason he needs to jump ship immediately. Obviously, you'd expect there will be offers on the table, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bayern Munich is one of the clubs yeah. with an offer on the table. But that's the title we're having. Well, really. exactly that. So I think that there's going to be offers for him. I hope he remains patient and doesn't just jump at the first opportunity yeah. to go to a big, big club. I think he's got a good thing going at Leverkusen right now, and actually mm. building up his experience, building up his ability at Leverkusen makes sense. It's a safe place to do it. It's a yeah. club where you will have a, a more of a margin of error than you will at a Real Madrid, a Liverpool, or Bayern Munich. They will be more understanding if you have a tough time. So I think for me, yeah, he's a fantastic coach. He's working with a great group of players right now. And I actually want to touch on those players as well before we yeah. move on. Because by Leverkusen, we've given a lot of praise to Xavi Alonso. But is their squad actually good enough to win the Bundesliga? What do you think? I think to win the Bundesliga is a stretch because you look at really? what... I think it's a very, very good side, don't get me wrong. But I think, look at the quality of, of um, Bayern. Look at the quality of Dortmund. Well, I, mean, this I was going to say, Dortmund. I think Leipzig's recruitment Dortmund are the prob- their own there. problem, aren't they? I think Leipzig's recruitment has really put them up there. They look like a very yeah. good side. But I mean, Union as well. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they look quite strong. It now. is a very strong Leverkusen side. I was going to say, I mean, I, find, I mean, you just look at some of the sections of this squad and it's fantastic. I mean... The fact that they lost Moussa Diaby, a lot of people yeah. would have been looking that as looking at that as well. They're fucked. Yeah. But they went and signed Jonas Hoffman, one of the most experienced Bundesliga players. They went and signed Nathan Teller, an exciting young winger from Southampton. This summer they also added Victor Boniface, who I think is an incredible talent, and we've seen that right. already. Four goals in four games in the Bundesliga. He's developing really strong, and I actually think if, if he keeps up his current record, he could blast yeah. by Leverkusen to the title in a similar way. Gerardo Becker blasted Union into the Champions League last yeah, season. Yeah. Then you start to go for, I mean, even players like the fact that Patrick Schick and Adam Klosek aren't players we're immediately listing is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that shows everything about this side. You then move back into the midfield where you've got Florian Wirtz, who I rate I mean, as yeah. one of the best young midfielders in the world. I think his, you know, his injury, his injury list, you know, has completely marred, or completely tarred, sorry, his, uh, how good he actually is. Obviously, no one's yeah. been able to see him play for the last few years. The fact that the most of our appearances made in the season is 29 is, and, he's, and this is his and that fifth, was what, three, four years ago? His fifth season, he hasn't, yeah, that was 2021. Yes, yeah, so, so yeah, nearly three years. The fact that he's done, all, he's had so little time, yet his market value is 74 million. Yet he's only 20 mm. years old still. He's had five years of professional football and he's only 20 years old. It says everything, really, about what happened. In very similar vein, we saw Kai Havertz come over to the Premier League and struggle. The difference is Havertz didn't really fit the mould of eight. 
of a 10, sorry. Verts is very much that that classic attacking midfielder, that David Silver yeah. mould. He's he's small, he's diminutive, but he's very agile and very good at moving the ball. A fantastic creator and an equally good finisher. Havertz is a good finisher, or at least was at his time at Leverkusen, and he was a good creator. But he doesn't fit that typical mould, does he? You don't tend to see a no. six-foot-two guy playing attacking yeah. midfield. They tend to be the strikers. So Havertz is different to Florian Verts, and I think that is a that, there is a clear, distinct difference. Verts? 20. 20. I think, I, I feel like, because he's been around, people know his name for so long, because he's, he's always injured, feels like, Whenever a player gets injured for a long time, you kind of forget how old they are and their age kind of carries on and runs away. He's only 20. End of this mm. year, if he has a brilliant year, he's 21. His market value is you know, I mean, over 100 million. This, and... this is a stat that's going to make everyone feel a little bit ill at home, but he was 11 years old when they won the 2014 World Cup, when Germany won the 2014 World Cup. He was an 11 year old. That's crazy. <laughs> he's a child. <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah. I mean, if, if we count back to the last time that no one, someone other than Bayern won the Bundesliga, yeah, again he would have been a child. Uh, when was when was that? Yeah. When did someone other than Bayern win the Bundesliga? Actually, I'm going to have to have a look now because I'm intrigued. It was, I don't even know if football will have the records. It was 2008-09. He would have been six. And now, fourteen years later, he was born in two thousand and three. So yeah, when it was crowned, when they were yeah. when Wolfsburg were crowned champions, he would have been six years old. Right, that is insanity. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it says a lot about how dominant Bayern have been. Yeah. That this this guy's grown it's up. Time only that really one, simple. not a sort of hair perch. If Leverkusen has to do it, he'll be the main man in it. For me. Oh, I was going to say, so far this season, he has notched up a contribution in every match other than the Leverkusen game, even the on in, sorry, other than the Bayern game, even on international duty, he's putting green ratings in every single game. Yeah, I mean it, it's been That's the Germany side incredible. that aren't very good. Yeah, I mean they lost four to Japan. He's still got an assist and notched up seven point three, and I went on a two-one win over France. He was also very decent. So. He's an incredible talent. I think he's going to go to the very top. And if Leverkusen can get the best out of him this season and actually keep him fit for yeah. 38 matches, yeah. they're going to do so well. Yeah. Then you've got Ezequiel Palacios, who scored the penalty, obviously, at the weekend yeah. and is a really good player in general. Players like Timothy Fosu-Mensa. Grant Xhaka, I think, is one of the most underrated signings of the summer. You picked up an experienced Premier League central midfielder who is yeah. only 30 at, what, 15 million? That's a steal. That is an absolute like, steal. He might have been... He might have been rubbish at um. He not not rubbish. He was never thing, yeah. He might have been a bit aggressive at Arsenal. But done a stupid, exactly stupid thing. what you want around yeah. this really young squad. You've got a natural leader in Granit Xhaka, someone they can aspire to be like, someone that can really get this group together when the yeah. times are tough. And I think you know, that's such an inspired signing. You then move back to the defence. You've got young dance like Pierre Hincapé. You've got Edmund Tapsopa, Josip Stanisic. But you've also got in there Jonathan Tarr with a bit of experience. Alex Grimaldo with a bit of experience. And someone we've not mentioned yet, but Jeremy Frimpong, who is one yeah. of the most exciting right wing backs in the world. Coman's not too keen on him, but everyone else seems to be. <laughs> Coman's not no. usually my yardstick for t- no. measuring talent, but... Yeah, I think Frimpong, yeah, really exciting. And he, him overlapping and linking up with, with Hoffman on that right-hand side has proven really strong so far this season. He's already got one goal and three assists in four matches. Incredible attacking right-back. So, yeah, Leverkusen look really good. They do. Early prediction, do you think they'll take the title or are Bayern oh, going to do it again? Because, like, Union last year, same position, looked very strong, were very strong, felt very strong. 
fell, mm. fell away at the end of the year. The one thing I will say, though, is that Union never had the immense talent. No. They did really well and they got big results, but they never had someone that you go, oh, they're a world beater. They can notch up 40 goals and win you the league this season. They never had that. Becker did well and he performed massively above expectations, but they never had a world beater. And I think that was the big difference there between yeah. Union last season and Leverkusen this season. Leverkusen have players who can put them in a position to win games. And actually, if we start to look at their fixture list, it looks quite manageable. They've got Heidenheim up next, promoted from the division below. They'll be keen yeah. to make an impression, but that should be a comfortable victory. Yeah. Then an away game to Mainz, another easy win, you'd think. Alone after that should be a win. Wolfsburg will offer a challenge. Admittedly, that could be a loss, but yeah. if they want to plough on, they've got to be winning those on games. On top of that... They don't play Dortmund until December. By yeah. that point, yeah. they could have they could have a big gap. Oh, they do play Union in that time, but there's no Leipzig in there. There is a game against Freiburg, but that is at home... Yeah. It's a nice fixture list to start the and season. On top of that, the Europe isn't going to cause them much problems. Carabag, Harkin, and, and Mulder yeah. should be able to so rotate can, and get yeah, easy. Rotate round in that. Whereas, you know, Bayern, and they've got yeah, they've got to go to Manchester United and go. Yeah, exactly. So potentially points to be made up there. And also the fact that they're doing so well and they've they've not even got Patrick Schick fit. No. And they've not even got Patrick no. Schick fit at the moment. They've not even using Adam Hlosek all that much. There's definitely still more to come from this by Leverkusen. I, that's the really exciting process. I think even if Leverkusen are the ones to win it, this is the uh, you know, after last year. I think it'll be close, but I think this this would be the biggest chance this year for someone to topple Bayern, even if it but, isn't Leverkusen. Uh, Bayern are still Bayern. They are still Bayern. Should we talk about the rest of the league? Yeah, because it's shaping up quite nicely. I think the next closest team, they're a point behind Bayern and Bayer Leverkusen. It's RB Leipzig, and a lot of people will be un- unhappy to see them right up there. But from a purely neutral perspective, their squad is strong. Yeah, and I think they're in the same boat as, as Leverkusen. Obviously, the only difference is that Leverkusen have played Bayern and challenged Bayern on field. Yeah, Leipzig, they they do they do best, and every year. They are always right up there until they start to play Bayern Munich, and you know if until they start to play mm. Bayern and Dortmund and even Union last year. Well, they're going to get that in two weeks' time, thirty September. RB Leipzig versus Bayern Munich, and that that would be their big test because they're really good at beating the bottom half of the league. But whenever it comes to the top half, yeah. they always get top. They got they got Gladbach next as well, so two big tests. Yeah. Gladbach followed by Bayern so far this year. So they've already they put five past Stuttgart who are sat just below them in the table. That, that was they lost on the opener three two to Leverkusen, which is sort of understandable. Back, but yeah. if they win that, they're top of the league by two points at the yeah. moment. So they would be in a much nicer position. They then beat Union on three 0 That's big. That's very decent. And then they beat Augsburg three 0 I mean, I think Xavi Simons has looked magnificent. I, I was about to say two words: yeah. Xavi Simons. That kid is going right to the top. He's one of the most exciting players in the world right now. Just got that move to PSG. Seven goal contributions in four matches. Three goals, four assists. Insane. He is lighting up the bunch. Absolutely insane. Yeah, and forming a very good partnership with new signing Benjamin Sheshko. Two goals so far for him. If he can start to score more consistently, because they both came in the win against Union. If he can start yeah. to find that more consistently and actually get more consistent minutes, because he only played 26 minutes in their win against Augsburg... If they can start to give him loads of minutes, there's a good chance he'll do well this yeah. season. Obviously, they've still got Timo Werner, who's yet to find the back of the net yet this season. Louis Appender, who started really strong, though. Three yeah. goals, one assist for him. 
So they are they looking good in attacking areas. They've not really had any problems losing Conrad Lima. They seem to have made up for that in midfield. Obviously bringing in uh, Christoph Baumgartner, I believe. Yeah, they brought him in from Hoffenheim, and he's really solid in that in that Mm -hmm. deeper role. They've got a strong midfield. They seem to be coping with that. And obviously Nicholas Seivald, who just joined from the uh, Salzburg side. So yeah, yeah. I mean the fact they can just oh, if they get to the halfway point in the season, they need someone. They'll just have a little look at Salzburg, see what's yeah. going on down there, bring in a couple of players. So that definitely helps. They've got a strong defence. They do have a slight problem with the fact that David Raum is out injured right now. He's looked really strong to start the season, but an apparent knock to him. Um, so, yeah, hopefully for their sake, he's all right. But yeah. obviously yeah. coming off of 77 minutes in the most recent Not match. Right. If he's all right, though, they, Jamie, he's looked brilliant as well with a goal yeah. and two assists so far. Looking very strong. So they look great. I mean, Stuttgart have started strong, but you don't really expect them to be at the sharp end. I mean, they lost to Leipzig. Other than that, big wind. I mean, 5-0 over Freiburg. Very impressive, it has to be said. It's getting very random. They did lose 5-1 to Leipzig. Yeah, but I do think in Cerro uh, Girasi, they've got a striker who can score a lot. Eight goals in four matches. Yes, really. Eight goals. That is ridiculous. That is, that's harder numbers. Yeah, so he scored two in the opener against VFL Bosham. He then got one in the 5-1 loss to Leipzig. He got another two against Freiburg. And then a hat-trick most recently against Mainz. Incredible Mental. form. And if he keeps up like that, well, they're going to win the league because he's going to score. Oh, yeah. He's got eight goals. <laughs> he's averaging two goals yeah. a match. It's insanity. But, yeah, I mean, for their sake, they'll be hoping they, he can keep that up. But yeah, so it's shaping up really nicely, the Bundesliga. I mean, the fact that there is a genuine challenge to buy yeah. in the season, yet Dortmund are on eight points so far, which they're only two points yeah, off. But Don't count them out, but they just don't, they never look like challenging them. Never. Yeah, it's the fact that every game's been like a one-goal margin. the Freiburg goal, again, two. <laughs> Cataclysmic in that. I mean... The fact that Matt, it took a Mats Hummels double yeah. is never a great and sign. to Heiden, Heidenheim and Bosham. I mean, that's inexcusable, really, yeah. isn't it? You want to be fighting for the title. How are you drawing with Bosham and Heidenheim? They'd be top of the league. They should be top of the league. They're two easy victories. They threw away. Yeah. Bosham should have been an easy win. Heidenheim should be an easy win. Throw yeah. them away. But yeah, speaking of Heidenheim, do you think they can start this season? I mean, four points from the opening four solid. games. Currently sat in 11th. Who knows? It's going to be difficult. Yeah. But... They're doing all right. Obviously, they've got the longest serving manager in Bundesliga history, Josef Schmidt, 16 years at Heidenheim. He's done a fantastic job taking them up the table. I mean, fair play to them. Sorry, Frank Schmidt, not Joseph. But what do you mean, board? 16 years at one point. He started in the three league, or four four league, I want to say. I guess And he's built them up to the Bundesliga. I mean, that's impressive. Stay up. Yeah, I don't think the same sort of success will follow the team that came up with them. Darmstadt, one point from the opening four, and they've conceded 13 goals so far, the most of anyone in the league. So maybe in a bit of trouble. Unlucky. (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this season pans out. I'm sure we'll be covering some of the action. We can hope and pray that Bayern Munich will be toppled this year. Maybe so, maybe so. Shall we try to touch back to the Premier League? We should, yeah. It's a league we're much more familiar with, and we've got... Some interesting questions. We're not going to talk about Chelsea. I'm bored. They're shit. There we go. We're not talking about them this week. If you want to go complain about Chelsea, get involved in the comments. Share your disgruntlements and I may well reply. But cannot really be bothered to talk about it again. Instead, we're going to talk about how bad Manchester United are. So, United 1, Brighton 3. Dear 
god they were <laughs> united falling but it was so predictable I, I, I everyone i spoke yeah. to before that game brian are gonna win this brian are gonna win it comfortably yeah united fans are like, oh, we'll be fine but they never really showed anything. I mean, no. Brighton were excellent. The fact that United have had to be bailed out, really, by a Hannibal Medgebury goal is their only goal of the match, says a lot. I do think that the Hoyloon goal being ruled off was harsh. And maybe if... Or ruled out, I think if that stands, maybe we'll get more of a game of it. But Brighton were impeccable. United was I mean, after, just so subpar. and collapsing yeah. against Arsenal, then you've been torn apart in your own backyard by Brighton. I mean, obviously, we say it every week, credit to Deserby, Brighton, they look brilliant, they are a magnificent team. Pascal Gler, same at Pascal Gler's and Old Trafford. Yeah. Different. Uh, just a quick question out there. Are Brighton serious contenders for the title? Possibly. Again, the question comes, similar to what it is in the Bundesliga, can they beat City when it comes to it? The problem for them is that they absolutely threw away with a 3-1 loss to West Ham. Without yeah. that, they've got a perfect record so yeah. far, and, and they're right up there, but... I mean, that didn't help them, the fact that they are already now three points off Manchester City and obviously behind the likes of Arsenal, Tottenham and Liverpool. But I think they are generally up there right now. Three points clear of everyone. Two points clear of everyone. Two points ahead of Tottenham because Tottenham drew to Brentford. Two points ahead of Liverpool because they drew at Chelsea. And two points ahead of Arsenal because they drew at Fulham. So that's good. So, thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up. And Brighton lost to West Ham. Yeah. So... Says it all really about the Premier League this season. Hopefully, though, someone can fight City. Yeah. At some point. But it's not looking too likely. I mean, the next games are Forest, Wolves, then Arsenal, Brighton. Maybe that's that. A big one. The opening is part of October. And United as well. Yeah, 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 that's a horrible October for them, really. <laughs> all of October is horrendous. The gas that is every game. Yeah, really. If we want to see someone other than them. Oh, well, then they play Chelsea and Liverpool in November. So. Mm. And Tottenham in December. It's a horrible yeah. run, really, for City. Maybe they lose. Maybe we're in, maybe everyone in FPL needs to bench hard. They'll probably win every single game apart from that ball off game. They'll draw the ball off. Yeah. But I mean, United. Wow. How bad are they? Well, I was going to ask. I mean, United are clearly terrible on the pitch. I want to talk about Eric Ten Hag today, though. Do you think that Ten Hag's in trouble? I honestly don't know because it is such a weird problem. Because all, all the main forefront of you know, United complaining is Gary Neville hating the Glazers. Um, I, I mean, I, I would say we are close to crisis at Manchester United. Yeah, I... I think that they are, they are very much on a knife edge right now. And I think if one more thing happens, like, yeah. I th- it's all going to explode. I mean, how this club is still like a thing at the moment is mental. There's yeah, so much. The Glazers and the fans and Ten Hag and the performances. Something's got to give. And I, and I feel for Ten Hag is that the Glazers might feel that their escape route is Ten Hag. Yeah, I, I feel for him because I think he's a really good manager, but for whatever reason, the fact haven't really worked this season, I don't think no. the off-field stuff has helped. The fact that they are constantly linked with... I mean, the, the Glazers can't decide whether they want to actually sell the club or not. Then you've got all the problems off the pitch. I mean, we've spoken in detail about Mason Greenwood and Anthony, and now Sancho, of course, as well. I mean, very different it, situations. It, we yeah, should I think, make that very uh, clear. Sancho, but... the other two are kind of cut and dry. The Sancho one feels like it was made a lot bigger than it needed to be by everyone involved. If yeah, if why like, it wasn't if, dealt with in house, I do not know because now everyone they've just oh what's the phrase? 
They've just hung their... Blown out of proportion? They've hung their dirty laundry out for everyone to see. They've stuck, stuck their spotted bloomers out on yeah. the front fence. I mean... It's baffling to me. One, if I don't know how Ten Hag thought the best. What, you know what James Sancho needs right now. He needs me to go and slag off his effort in the media. That'll raise his confidence. And then I think Sancho probably could have dealt with that better. He probably yeah. could have just had gone out a word with him. What I don't takes get. social media he's... and it blows up again. Now he's training with the under twenty ones and because te- he refused to apologise to Ten Hag. It's just a shit show. But for me, complete... when they first joined the club, they were best mates, and Ten Hag let him take a little break, you know, let him take a break so he could, you know, yeah. get, you know, get himself together and, you know, sort himself out and make sure he's all right. I think it's quite clear that Sancho is struggling a lot. Yeah. And I think we need to be really cautious when speaking about him because there's been a lot of hate directed his way. I think a lot of Manchester United fans are losing patience right now. And I think we need to remember that while he is a footballer, I don't think the fact that he earns 250 grand a week means we should completely neglect his mental health. He's going to be struggling. You know, mm-hmm. the, the weight of the world was on his shoulders. He made the move from Bayern to, from Borussia Dortmund to Manchester United. Since then, he's gone through the Oli, the end of the Oli era. He's gone through Ranić, which is the most batshit crazy era. Yeah. <laughs> but Ranić, that's a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, and now in the Ten Hag era, where. He's never really been first choice. Ten Hag went and signed Anthony, who, by the way, he has to sit never there, really rated. He just him. been a player of him for ninety minutes. It just feels like if Ten Hag really nurtured Jaden Sancho, he could get the best out of him. We yeah. know this problem with Sancho. There's always been a problem with Sancho's attitude, and I think that is difficult to work with. He's always been renowned for being quite late to, tra- you know, often late to training and stuff, which is inexcusable to a certain extent. You know, you're a professional footballer. The minimum expectation is that you turn up to training on time. Yeah. But I think if you cut him some slack, cut him some leeway, really work close with Jaden Sancho, he's an exceptional footballer. And there is still a lot of promise there. I just I don't know if Ten Hag's the right man to bring mm. it out of him. But I, I don't think that's a, that's a reason to completely bin him off. I think he deserves time. He did well with the side last season. What does Ten Hag have to achieve this season to stay at Man United? Oh, I've got I me mean, first. He's going to kick me out of the arse. Um, because, <laughs> I, I mean, again, if, there's so many factors. What is, is Again, they've got to be top four. Yeah. They've got to be top four. But eventually, they're going to look at it and go, why are we not challenging Manchester City? The biggest problem, yeah. The biggest problem for every Premier League side now is this, you've got to be top four or you've failed. But when there's eight teams competing yeah. for four spots, that just doesn't work. So as soon as you see a Bournemouth or a Newcastle get up yeah. there where the expectation isn't that, you've got loads of clubs who have either got to sack their manager because they've not Does done it? well enough or admit that maybe they can't compete for top four every year. But the next step up from get, getting top four is winning the league and no one's in that same chapter as Manchester City. That's the thing. United last season was good. United have looked at last season and gone, we, you know, we were in the shit with Ranić and all that absolute bollocks yeah. in the season before. They brought in Eric Ten Hag. Last season was good. Bit of self-worth, the Carabao Cup. Yeah. FA Cup final, yes, they probably should have given a better account of themselves there, but City were unplayable throughout the season and on the day. <laughs> yeah, probably so. And then you've got the, the fact that they managed to get back into the Champions League. Yeah. Those are all really crucial things for Manchester United. But this season, the expectation would have been they went out in the summer and added a few players. Rasmus Hoylund, a fantastic young striker, and I think he looked very dangerous on his first start against Brighton. They added Andre Onana, one of the best goalkeepers in the world last season. Mason Mount, one of the most promising young British plants in the world right now. 
They added, I think there's one other signing I'm completely forgetting. Oh, Sofian Amorat, of course, yeah. in the defensive midfield, secures them a little bit there. So they've splashed a lot of cash this summer. And while they may not have done everything, you know, they've not gone and signed another centre-half so they don't have to ever play Harry Maguire. They've not moved on Maguire. They have brought in Johnny Evans. And Johnny like that, Evans, though. I, I agree. That is a shortcoming and a failure on, on the transfer department there. But if you're telling me that that starting eleven isn't good enough to compete for the league, or isn't, sorry, isn't good enough to get up there, the amount of money they spent in the mm, last summer yeah. without really selling anything, it, they yeah. put a lot of money in. The expectation is they should be fighting right up there. And if not, first, second. But also, I think Tenard's problem is that it does not... It has not been easy. That's from whenever something's gone wrong for United, it's got worse. They drew to Tottenham. They lost. They lost to Tottenham. Lost to Tottenham. Yeah, lost to they Tottenham. lost to Tottenham. They thought, okay, we'll bounce that next week. Lost to Arsenal. Oh, we'll bounce that next week. Brighton. Then they, they've got Bayern Munich tonight. Yeah, are, are they? Yeah, I was going to say. Obviously, when this goes out, Bayern, I mean, every game score seven. Yeah, and, and that's their problem. They they haven't. It's been a really bad run of games. So I think we have to take a little bit of that into account. But they've had the same start of the season at Chelsea. And Chelsea yeah. are a bottom obviously, obviously, a win over Forest sandwich in there, but they did go 2 0 down after just four minutes in that one. And that easily yeah. could have been another loss. And, the Wolves and they game. were crap against Wolves. Yeah. They could have easily lost every match so far this season, the first five. They were very lucky in the games they won against poor opposition, it has to be said. And then they've been beaten by teams they should be beaten by, really. What? Teams that are above them in the league. A guy called Craig, current surname. He's, he's guy, I think he's on Talk Sport or something. But he, what he was saying, I think everyone on talks for it's called Craig. You know, <laughs> but as much as Ten, you know, Tenard complained about the Hoyland goal being ruled off on the weekend, complained about the Garnacho goal against Arsenal, and said that Hoyland had a penalty in that Arsenal game, and the complaint about the added time. But then if you add together the fact that they should have had a penalty given against them at Wolves, and yeah, you know, and the fact they went two down to that Forest side. If those two things happen, as much as he has the excuses, if those two things happen, they're on no points. Yeah. And they're bottom of the league. And they're on a worse sort of season than Luton Town. Yeah, can yeah, pretty much the same. But I feel like the Ten Hag seems to be lost right now. Yeah. And I, I mean that in the fact that his, he doesn't seem to understand how to change his tactic. Right now, he, he you know he's very set in the in wanting this to current uh, evolution of tactic to work. This sort of what, player inverting, getting that three two four one type thing that City have. The issue is that the the personnel he's got doesn't really work. Mount and Fernandez have both had difficult starts to the campaign. Rashford hasn't been firing. They've only just got holding back. It's been a lot of issues. There's been a lot of you know he he's got loads of excuses to use. But when does he have to look in the mirror and go? maybe we need to change something here. Maybe we need a new evolution. Maybe the tactic needs an overhaul. When does that sort of throw everything out the window and start yeah. again happen? The Arsenal. The problem is, it is it's a mix of like the Arsenal game, falling asleep or can pass the ball around. Yeah. I, and and then after and then and then after that, I think you add on they're not playing very good football, and then you add in the individual errors to their equation, and it's just horrendous. Yeah, I mean, that that doesn't help. I look at all stages of their play at the moment and just go, there's so much you can improve. Build up. They're too slow. They yeah. constantly get... Uh, they constantly lose possession because they don't move the ball quick enough and they constantly get caught out. Transition. They Their transition is horrendous. Just kick it long, everyone run after it and we'll see what happens. That's not transition. <laughs> like they, they can't move the ball on the floor from the back to the front of the pitch. They just can't do that. 
from the, from what we, all the evidence this season, yeah. it's been we'll try and play out from the back. When that goes to shit, we'll kick it to Onana and then we'll smack it long and then we're all going to run after him. Yeah. It's not NFL. No. You're not trying to score field goals. Rashford's going to run and then it gets fouled. Yeah. It's just, and then, and then all of that happens means that they're nil-nil. And then if they do get in the final third, they yeah. don't do anything with that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that we draw the game nil-nil and then Maguire and Evans will play Just Dance and you know, they'll concede. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work to do at Manchester United right now. It feels like... I mean, Bayern's going to be an interesting tell. That, I mean, I can't wait for it, really. I mean, really. tell could score three. <laughs> right, but, off the bench. And then, <laughs> if they do lose that game, and it would be so United to go and win it, but that's not going to happen. Um, but it's away as well, isn't it, in Munich? It is They're going Munich. to Munich. Yes. Even speaking, that is, speaking of which, join us live on TFC Live. Yes, it could be a great stream. Um, thanks everyone for joining us yesterday. Yeah, indeed. But We've not even done it yet. But we know you loved it. <laughs> All three million that of you. Is as big of a scoreline as we're thinking it is. Yeah. Burnley away at the weekend. Company might fancy yourself. I mean, we're recording right now during the Burnley match. Burnley are 1 0 up. If they can see that out, bit of confidence in the tide. No, big win for Burnley. And Forrest will be thinking yeah. we're, we're rubbish. They're down. Yeah. But equally, though, Forrest are losing right now. They would still be above Manchester United in the table. Even if they conceded another two, they would yeah. still be above Manchester United in the table. In fact, Manchester United have done as bad as Chelsea. And Chelsea is like... Well, they're a point a, ahead. A bomb just gone off and, uh, at the football club. And they're trying to pick up every single little fragment that needs repairing. And United, who are meant to be all high and mighty because they're winning Carabao Cups and they're getting top four, they're in the same boat. And that Chelsea team has been... That's the problem. I feel like for Chelsea, it was a roller coaster, a massive roller coaster of a year last year. The, the, for United, the it's big been a massive roller coaster for yeah. the last four years. The big difference between the two is that Chelsea have played just Liverpool so far. United have already they faced have. Tottenham, been... Arsenal and Liverpool. But where's the confidence going to come? So they, United, it's, I think, it's this next run, really, I would say. They've got to beat Burnley, Palace, Brentford, Sheffield United before they play City on the 29th of October. My birthday. And if they don't beat anyone, that's a Because yeah. I just... I honestly don't see them conceding less than three tonight. I honestly can't. And, I mean, yes, yeah, they've got a pretty... I did see that they have... They can now... They can fill the whole 11 of injured-slash-absent players... To which I feel like that's a bit... I can't remember mm. where I saw it, but that's cheating because Anthony and Sancho saying that ab, you know, absent level, not yeah. injuries, it's kind of... And that's not Ten Hag's fault. I was going to say, still on, you know, Ten Hag. For Ten Hag, they are absent, yeah. really. But... Still, the players yeah. they've got should be good enough to win the I like I like your comment of I can't see them conceding less than three tonight. Shall we didn't do any predictions? We did uh, mm. plan to do Champions League predictions, just completely forgot to do that. Very busy weekend, oh, yeah. but... Yeah, plan to do that for Monday. Maybe we'll we'll do that in a couple of weeks' time for the second round of fish. So it yeah. feels like we've completely missed the first one now. But yeah, I think it's that. Well, we're getting very close to the end of this podcast. Anything else you want to touch on before we get into FPL? I can't think of something. You know. No, okay, fantastic. Then shall we talk about fantasy Premier League? No, because <laughs> it was a horrific weekend. But I think it was a horrific weekend for everyone. I was going to say I think I've done well. I've got green arrows across the board. Unless everyone's got Zaki Amdouni, I think I'm in a good spot right now. I mean, yeah, so the game hasn't finished yet, but 
it's Burnley Forest. But, I mean, everyone's got Matt Turner. He conceded. Yeah, know. I was gonna say just clicking on some of the top scores in in our league at the minute. Nobody's yeah. got any football um, So I think we're all right to talk yeah. about that. It's a load of red arrows for me this weekend. Yeah, but you were quite, you were higher than me, obviously. So you've yeah, your safety would have been uh, higher as well. I mean, I've still got players to be subbed in as well because yeah. the suit and didn't play for some reason. That could hurt me a lot with the, the, the subs and stuff because at the moment I'm Green Arrows, I'm looking great. I'm, yeah, yeah but how, so how many did you score? Well, I'm, I'm on 41 once Ben Mee gets subbed in. But, okay. I mean, Vicario losing his clean sheet at Sheffield United, I'm throwing hands. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I had the same thing. You uh, didn't start and then came on and got booked, so he got nothing. Silver kept a clean sheet, which was big. A Superman didn't play for whatever reason. And then apart from Saka on six, my whole midfield blanks, including me to, you know, in a Brighton when Brighton three one, I thought Meeting might have done something. Right. Brentford they had Newcastle and Bale was a bit of a gamble. Madison and Sheffield United, I thought he might like score three and get two assists. No. I, was, I was considering capsing him, so yeah. I dodged an absolute bullet. And did nothing else gamble. I was bailed out this week by Ollie Watkins five and Harlan twelve. It was a low-scoring week across the board. The fact that Harlan got yeah. one goal, nobody's midfielder scored anything. Rashford did nothing, Bruno did nothing. Yeah. There was nothing. Oh, Forrest just levelled up, yeah. by the way, so that's interesting. Burnley clean sheet wiped as well, which is a positive, because some people just have, like, yeah. drawn and bay. subbed on in the 50-odd minute. Magic happens. <laughs> Magic has happened. I got 45 this week. Pretty pleased with that. The average is 40. My safety rank at the moment is 40 or 45 so I think that'll probably go up tonight though after the Forest yeah. game and the subs and stuff but I should still be alright I got 6 from Pope brought him in this week for Onana very happy yeah. with that decision because Onana would have got minus points I then had Saliba and Gusto both 6 points there strong defensive display same about Destiny Udogi because could have been high potential in the fact he's got Arsenal Liverpool next yeah. two weeks he is going to be benched and I mean Saliba was also on for bonus points at the last minute and I think he like cleared it out of play or he got he did something to get minus yeah. on the bonus point system and then cost him a bonus point there so that was slightly frustrating Foden blanking Sterling blanking Martinelli blanking again I mean he scored and that was ruled out frustratingly yeah. for me Madison blanking not great Jackson blanking as well so everyone blanking pretty much Saka yeah. got a goal Harlan captain 12 not too bad in that front but definitely a lot that could have been done yeah, it's a frustrating game. We could possibly. Yeah, in terms of and I bench our Pedro. Please call yeah. No, that's yeah. not fun. In terms of our league, I have dropped to sixty seventh. I'm up to one hundred nineteenth. Well done, buzzing. But yeah, yeah, shall we talk about who's top of the league? I mean, it feels like all the highest scores because he jumped to the front because everyone else had a stinger. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm sure we'll scroll through and find somebody with a decent score in a minute. But we've got here top of the league now is an Insikak Udumbana. Apologies if I pronounced your name wrong. It's a difficult name to pronounce, I have to be honest. Uh, the team name is Snow Kids, and looking at the side, 60 points from this game week then. Going to be one of the highest we find, I reckon. They had Salah 10, Diaby 5, Saka 6, Julian Alvarez 9. There's been yeah. a player I've seen a lot in good teams. Captain for Haaland as well. Then Gabriel Augusto bringing in decent points. Not a bad game week, and they've moved to the top of the league. Yep. Got anything um, higher than 60? I've had I, 68 at 43rd. Seventy three. Do your seventy three. I find them. Um, with the manager Danny Mensah. Not craw craw. Seventy three points. This is a bit of a random one as well. You know, Harlan captained. They had Jao Pedro. Uh, 
Bernardo Silva in midfield. That's a bit of a rogue one. Not many people have him. Salah got 10. They also had Robertson, who obviously scored. And yeah. a clean sheet for Gusto and a goal and assist for Saka. Um, I mean, very decent. Yeah, isn't decent. It? 73, one of the highest, I think we'll see. Oh, I was gonna say, I've got here a 69. Way! Uh, from Sam Imatoka, who must have predicted their score because their team name is Blue Wax Bill 69. In their squad, they've got Ben White, seven points. They've got Saka, six points. Robertson, 11. Salah, 10. Then they've got Eduard, 8. Alvarez, 9. And 12 for Captain Harlan. So maybe if they're Captain someone else, they'd be looking at one of the highest game weeks. Yeah. Of course, in the entire game week. But yeah, I'm just trying to scroll through and see if there's anything else. Yeah, anyone else catching the eye. to be the biggest we've found. I reckon so. Not many uh, doing well in the league this week. Overall, there was 102 and they used the bench boost. And a very random team. Who has got Douglas Luiz? I was going to um, say... He's I, on penalties now, isn't he? So I suppose yeah, I know, but who has Douglas Luiz? No, like, who goes? I'm doing FPL now. I'll pick Douglas Luiz. Yeah, that makes sense. It like it must be one of those burner teams, like the yeah. people that made like 100 and but, do AI. I mean, and that's just a bit pointless, but... It was a bit of a random week. Brighton did really well, yeah. but the likes of Meatman didn't do much. And you, you, even you like United's goal, for example, was scored by Hannibal Medgebury. Who's got him? Absolute nobody. Not me. Not me either. I think he was at 0.1%. But if you're all part of that 0.1%, by the way. Congratulations. Fairs. Um, well, I'm going to bounce back next week. Sure. Love the confidence. Time out. Our one year has just got an assist. So that might have an impact on yeah. FPL. But yeah, we're going to go now. By the end, yeah. by the time this goes out, Forest might 151. We don't right. know. So stay, uh, stay tuned. In terms of streams this week, you've already watched... Our live stream of AC Milan Newcastle, where Harry wasn't here. No, I wasn't. But it was a great game, wasn't it? I'm sure it was. Loads really of action. Loads of action happened. Great stuff. Then, if you want to join us tonight for more Champions League action, it's Bayern Munich versus Manchester United. A cricket score. It's going to be a cricket score. Then this weekend, we bring you Tottenham Liverpool, the North London derby on Sunday. It's a two o'clock kickoff. It's going to be warm, probably, or rainy. We don't know. It's the UK. But should be a good time in the studio either way. Who is it? North London Derby. Okay, you said Tottenham Liverpool. Oh, and Tottenham Arsenal. I was very confused. Tottenham Liverpool is now a North London Derby. Tottenham Liverpool is the week after. You can join us for that one as well. Do us for all the streams. Or you won't know and you have to guess which one's which. Yeah. Which one's the North London Derby? Which one's Tottenham Liverpool? Indeed. Yeah, I mean, if you want to know our streaming schedule, just look for whatever the best game is. Or tune into the join the discord you can find out there we'll probably just mention there's it tweets there's notifications there's fpl there is. there's all sorts you, if Loads you're missing out, you're missing and out. if you haven't joined our ucl fantasy league yet it's too late but join anyway and you can join for game week two <laughs> i can't remember the code you off my heart you can make find it somewhere. it's a very long code to remember off my heart yeah it's that it's, it, i was gonna say it is in the community tab though on youtube so if you want to find the socials if you can follow us on there Indeed. But I think that's everything for this week. Make sure to leave a like, subscribe if you're new around here. Get involved in the comments. Say hi, say something funny. I don't mind. Just something. Just put, if you're at this point in the video, just put Manchester United are horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Very vague sentence that anyone could say, but trust me, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it just comment it, despite the fact that I've not got yeah. this point in the video. It was 30 seconds. <laughs> But yeah, there's everything for today. If you are listening on Spotify as well, thank you guys so much. You're the unsung heroes. We here. do agree, yeah. We can't see you as we well. I mean, the numbers on Spotify, oh, blimey, soaring. Yeah, it seems to be going up every week. More and more people are following, and we appreciate that loads. If you are on Spotify, the best way to sort of share it out is just to share the podcast. 
You can yeah. share the podcast with your mates. You can share it on your socials. It helps us out more than you guys can imagine. We're trying to grow the platform here. With you know, if you like the stuff we do, then there's probably be someone else out there that also likes the stuff we do. So share it with them and yeah, spread the spread yeah. the words. Get more people involved as the community grows. But that's everything for this week, then, guys. We've rambled a lot at the end here, as we tend to do. That is everything for this week. Thank you, guys, very, very much for watching or listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya.